bottled water brands. Bottled water brands. That's the topic. So I do hope that at some point in the future, we will look back on this era of single-use plastic, mm -hmm. and in particular, bottled water brands. Yes. And think, ugh, what were I we think, thinking? I mean, aren't we already? We're there now, we're, but like, okay. we'll, we'll, the, the future generations will look back with even more contempt. You just want the contempt to go up. You're hoping for a high contempt. I'm not hoping. I'm predicting that there's going to be high contempt. So where did it come from? Like it's, the it's, contempt? No, no. That, where did the like bottled water is a, is a thing, right? Well, I feel like bottled water has only been a thing in my lifetime. In the right. sense that, like, I, it feels I, like it came it, it came, came of age. I remember an era before, before bottled, bottled water. water was a thing. Right. Okay, so let me throw some brands at you. You tell me what you think. Okay, I'll bet you they're all owned by either PepsiCo <laughs> or, or Coca Cola. Cola Company. Okay, Aquafina, Pepsi. No, no that's not that's not the question. No, uh, no, wait. Aquafina, I think, might be Coca Cola. That's still not the question. Okay. Uh, what do you think? If I said to oh, you, so you want me to, like? I'm, just, I'm, I'm looking you're, for you're, your you're take. Like, I'm a focus survey. Yeah, exactly. Like, Aquafina. Aquafina, Aquafina is middle of the road. Real? Okay. Uh, Dasani. Dasani, okay, is also middle of the road. I think they're the equivalent. Yeah. Um, I think they're the same tier, and I think that one is. I think Dasani is Coca-Cola and Aquafina is Pepsi. I think, I think. that's right. Um, do you know what I mean when I say the Aquafina taste? No. The aftertaste? No. Okay. Then that then then it doesn't matter. Aquafina has a particular aftertaste uh, that, like, in a blind taste, if you gave me a blindfolded glass of Aquafina, I I could 100% know that that's what that was. Who is that uh, comedian, comedian right now that, uh, who is... Uh, Comedioff. What? <laughs> comedian? What do we say, a female comedian? Not funny. <laughs> <laughs> that, I do not endorse that joke. That's stupid. I think uh, it's pronounced comedian. Comedian. But it's also, like, what era is this? Well, like, just, the 80s? Well, so I think she's more of an actor. Uh, Actress? Wait. She's an actor, okay. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I, I, and her, I think her name sounds like Aquafina. Oh, you're talking about the actress Aquafina. Uh, yeah, what about Aquafina? Is, is she named after the bottle of water? I mean, in the same way that Gnarls Barkley is named after Charles Barkley. It's just a, it's a, it's a, there's a, there's a cultural, uh... <laughs> Gnarls Barkley is different from Charles Barkley? Oh I thought God. people were just saying his name wrong. <laughs> They're not saying his name, it's a band. It's a duo. A duo? Oh my god. Is that a band? Wait, wait, let's define, is it, are they a duo or are they a band? It's two people. Uh -huh. They're not a band. A band, like, they're, they're like a DJ and a singer. I, I don't know. I don't know. But they're a, they're a musical group. A musical group? No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but the point being, you know, DJ, the DJ called Calm Trues is named that because those sounds have some, some, uh, some cultural currency. So Aquafina. Same thing. Same thing. She's not named after the brand. She's, do you but, think, it is, but isn't that a trademark brand? I mean, can she? She doesn't spell it that way. Oh, she doesn't spell it that way. It's like A-W-K-W-A-F-I-N-A, -A -A, something like uh -huh. that. So if I wanted to be known as Dasani, but then spell it differently. like That, that, that feels like that's fair game. Okay. Is that what you like to be called, Dasani? Uh, Dasani. Dasani Walsh? No, not Dasani. Not Dasani uh, Walsh, just one single name. Share. Dasani, Dasani. Dasani. Okay. Aquavina, Dasani, Evian, or Avian. Evian. So I actually do think that Evian, no, Evian is obviously, or Avian. Um, We're calling it Evian. Uh, I, I do, it's a high, slightly higher end brand. Just oh, I thought, I grew up thinking of it as the Fancy Pants brand, like the high, the high end brand. Well, it probably was at one point, but there's higher brands now. Like, like what? Well, uh, Voss? Voss. Voss wants you to think they're high end. Okay. Just because of their interesting screw top. Um, I mean, I guess they all have screw tops, but like they, <laughs> they, 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 they invest in packaging. So Fiji. Fiji. Well, Fiji, I think, is the... The square bottle. The, the square bottle. No uh, one can rounded forget it. Edge, rounded edges. No one would ever, no one could possibly forget or mispronounce that name. Sure. Um, it's good, right? It's great. Actually, it, truth be told, I really do like I would Fiji. say the degree, my, the degree of my uh, um, enjoyment of Fiji is matched by the degree that I feel weird about drinking water that's been shipped over here. Like, what's the carbon footprint of that bottle of water having been delivered from Fiji? Yeah. Uh, pretty high. Pretty high. Can't be good. Uh, and, 
So I like, but I really do like Fiji water. I do think it tastes good. Yeah. Uh, uh, Avion, Evian. What do we? What do we? Decide? I call it Evian. Evian. Okay. But I'm. Um, it, I I think it does have an aftertaste that I, that I do not like. like. Okay. So I, I don't like. One of my first memories of Evian was uh, orientation for NYU was the summer before my freshman year. We're staying at this um, dorm that's that right next to Greenwich Village, and they're shooting a movie uh, with Ashley Judd and somebody that was called. Cool story, bro. Hang on. And uh, it was called, well, at the time it was called Animal Husbandry, and they changed the title. But it's the one where... Why not? That's a... <laughs> yeah. And I know that because it had, uh, you know, you could see the, the title of the thing, of, of, the, of the movie, on all the uh, folding chairs. Anyway, they had, uh, you know, like all the normal movie stuff that we've all seen in, in New York. And one of those things was probably, like, a, a tower of boxes of Evian water. And I remember thinking to myself, what a world I've I've arrived into. It's I, like being I made like, it into the big city. Well, it's just like upon. not only like Evian water is this fancy pants water that I've only ever seen advertisements for, and here is just a seemingly endless supply of it. And uh, it's like, yeah, I got to get some of that water. Yeah. And then I realized like it's not that much more expensive, and I and it it tastes fine. It's good. It's just I don't think it tastes fine. Okay, so you don't like it. I don't, you I would don't rather have, have Fiji. I'd rather have. I I think I would rather have almost any other water than Aquafina. I'd rather have Aquafina. Oh, than, Jesus than Christ. Okay, you can have all of the uh, Aquafina. Yeah. I'll take all the Evian. Okay, great. That sounds like a deal. Poland Springs. Poland Springs. <laughs> Wait, I'm seriously. Jinx. Uh -huh. You owe me a Poland Springs. Um, uh, is the, the, there was, I remember seeing some news uh, news item about, like, that they're, they're worried about people taking too much of the Poland Spring water. Okay. Where there's some, and there's some other, uh, you know, springs-type water that they're worried about. They're just worried about the the source. Yeah, they're the source, about the... and they're, they're, they're over over harvesting, okay. so to speak. Um, what about Poland Spring? I feel like I actually ironically think that it's perfectly fine. It's uh, I don't, but I think the brand is um, pretty middle tier, like very. Yeah, uh, I think of it as as your sort of utility water. It's right, it's great, but, I, I, but it's I, but I think there's nothing special about it. Exactly. What if they there redesigned is something it? special about it? So I think I actually think Poland Spring has an opportunity to rebrand itself with a different bottle okay. and uh, a different price point, right? And a different like you know really lean into their like what is it in Maine or uh, somewhere in yeah, the New England? Um, and it's uh, you say it's a missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. I say because I think they could, they need an upper they could tier. Charge, yeah, they could they could rebrand it, roll it out in a different bottle, different price point, glass bottle. Right, maybe. High, so it's like more environmentally friendly. Yeah. Uh, it it's basically it's the same water. Yeah. But it's like Poland Spring organic. Yeah. It's uh it's got a nicer, more modern branding. Yeah. It's uh and yeah. Sustainable Poland Spring. Sustainable Poland like Spring, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Poland impact. Uh, but it sounds like a World War Two campaign. Uh, so have you been to uh, the West Coast before? Uh, which which West Coast? The uh, West Coast of the country we live in. Uh, the country in which we live, I've been to its west coast. Yes, yes. I've been to. Have you had every Arrowhead state. water? I've had every. I've been in every state uh, on the west coast of the United States. Have you had Arrowhead water? Uh, no, that sounds like cultural appropriation though, to me. Um, I think arrowheads are just a, an object. I think an I, object, I know where you're going. An, an object that the white man has. I mean, like, sure. I mean, virtually every culture has invented arrows. Arrowheads are part of that technology. Uh, it's red, uh, red branding. It's basically the West Coast version of Poland Spring. Really? Yeah. It it tastes very similar. It's their like utility water. So you can really taste like you have enough of a of a palate for mm -hmm. water that you can kind of talk through these, uh, distinguish these. Uh, I mean, I know I know when I taste something I don't like. I'm like uh, you know, like uh -huh. like so I know. Uh, have you ever had like uh, really hard water from the middle of the country where it's like mineral laden and it has a very like almost soapy texture to it mm, I guess so now that you describe that but okay. I wouldn't have been like I don't like, think I can tell you hard water and okay because like when we go to um, you know visit some of my family in the, middle, in the middle of the country Jess is always like shocked is too strong but she's always surprised by the by the water it's always just like oh oh yeah this is another reason we don't live here it's it's not good and mm. like Missouri for example has a very specific flavor of water that's different in the way you know for, we would travel we know we would go there for a vacation or something and it'd just be like what what foreign country are we in where mm. the water tastes like this and mm. so then coming to new york where we have this this luxurious tap water 
is I mean it's just really really nice yeah even over the summer this summer uh, we were staying in a house down the shore and like the New Jersey tap water like tasted funny yeah it's like it's like noticeably different yeah because it's New Jersey uh, <laughs> yeah Yes, yes, it is. So do you think that we'll look back, will or future, uh, do you think that uh, uh, future generations will look kindly on our era of... No. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> well, for many reasons, okay. yes, so but like, in but, particular, like, and so, so isn't there an argument to be made that, uh, I mean, I have here uh, a reusable water bottle and right. I, I, I use this at the office. Yeah, but the, part, the reason people buy bottled water is not just, there are lots of reasons, but largely, I would say they can be all categorized under convenience, right? Bottled water is convenient. It's, yeah. it's there when you want it. Water as a whole is a heavy thing. And so a bottle gives you um, a sort of like quality control of the water. It gives you um, a, a control of the amount of water that you have. And it's a just-in-time supply of water. You can buy it uh, at wherever you are. You don't have to carry it this whole yeah, time. It's, it's portable and, and portable. In exchange for a little bit of, of garbage. Right? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit of garbage. Right? It adds bit. up. My point is... You know what the worst is? Those, those little mini bottles. You think that's what's worst? Those things that... I mean, I agree. They look ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, but the funny thing is, like, ironically, and I feel bad about it, but I kind of do like them. Because oh I feel like a giant. <laughs> look at me drinking this water. <laughs> you, wow. How often do you do that? Uh, so if you can solve... You'd be surprised. No, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. No, just when I'm at an event that only has those little things or, yeah. and, and I, I drink at night. Or I also feel like the little mini water bottles feel like uh, like either you're a giant drinking a regular size bottle yes. or yeah. it's like a special potion. Mm. Like I feel like they're the size of... A potion. A potion. I agree. Yeah. It's the proportions as much as anything. Yeah. Uh, so if you could solve, here's here's how I think you would get rid of bottled water. Because you're not going to say you're not going to go backward in time to when we only had water fountains, right? People are going to want bottled water, and people and you're not going to. Well, why is that? Because once you have the, it's the convenience factor. Once you have something that's convenient, but, but it's, you never it's go convenient, back. But you never one go other back. thing I would say is is trust, right? Um, uh, like you can trust a bottle of water because it was packaged at the factory and here it yeah, is. Yeah, and, and okay. the, the, you, you trust Aquafina or right. Tassani or whatever. So earlier this week, I, I, I saw the testimony of Mark Zuckerberg uh, in front of Congress, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was questioning him, and he had a little bottle of water. People kind of were joking online about who he didn't look like he knew how to drink the water or what. <laughs> it was awkward. Uh -huh. But I was also thinking, oh, he had just a regular, you know, uh, Little one like the, the generic, of the, water? yeah, yeah, okay. the generic plastic water right. bottle. It was just a bottle of water they've taken the label off of. I think so, yeah, okay. and uh, it, it didn't appear to have a label, but and it was because I and I'm sure it wasn't his bottle of water. I'm sure it was like supplied by like the capital bottle by of the water? capital, okay. yeah, by the, the, the committee that staffers have put this on, right? Um, it's the one they supply to every uh, person yeah. giving testimony, right, right. Okay, but I, I was thinking to myself, oh. You know, he probably, I literally had, had this thought about the bottle of water. It's like, oh, um, if you just had like a glass of water and a pitcher and you're Mark Zuckerberg, you might be like, hmm, would somebody be trying to poison me? Which is not a. Well, but a, yeah, that's a, a, that's a general a security concern right. for any high profile individual. Sure, yes. sure, right. Uh, and. Like Obama once told the story of like, you know, once you're president, you get used to all these conventions. Like, your president's glass of water has like a particular kind of coaster on it with the presidential seal. And that means like the Secret Service has, has like checked that water. And right. so he would look for that to know, like, oh, that's the one I'm supposed to drink. Right. And that, that, I mean, that is something uh, that. One of the things I've heard about Trump's, uh, uh, you know, affiliation with, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, his propensity. No, his propensity for junk uh, fast food mm. is because you can walk into a fast food and they have very uh, stringent like standards. Uh, mm. He thinks, and you know, anyways, of cleanliness and everything else, and that it's no, predictable. So he's such a germaphobe that it's like, well. That, that I, I can get a Big Mac. I can get a Big Mac, anywhere. and it's going to be yeah. standard, and they don't know it's me ordering it, and sure. so I'm just going to, or you know, when someone gets it, uh, whereas uh, it, you can't trust uh, any other food necessarily. Uh, his, that thing is about as sound as the rest of his logic. So here's how I think you would get rid of bottled water. You need to deliver the same convenience in a way that doesn't generate all the garbage, right? That's the main. That's well, what the, about that's what about the paper uh, paper. Uh, Paper, bo paper bottles, are they calling it? Paper box, boxed water. I mean, it, that feels well, like you're just... Well, what about, what about, what about box water? What about it? Well, isn't that helping? It's, it's better, but it's not... But that's like saying natural gas instead of coal. Like, we're going to... Like, yeah, it's better, but it's not. it doesn't solve the problem. 
Well, it, it solves, reduces the harm. It, it, it solves the problem of single-use plastic. Yeah, but it doesn't solve the problem of... Are these, like, uh, are they recyclable uh, yeah, paper? They, they're, used, they're made from, you know, you know post-consumer uh, waste recyclable. I was going to propose something like, imagine if there were a version of the, of the idea you've talked about more than once of um, it's uh, reusable containers that, that you nevertheless cycle through the system. Yeah. So imagine at the same place that you had a, a case of bottled water, you had a case of like steel bottles, right, or, or glass bottles, or whatever they are, and you 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 know you buy it, and then you get some credit when you return that bottle, yeah. right? So the idea is like it's I don't know I don't know the logistics of how this would happen, but the idea would be you make it socially unacceptable to have single-use plastic, um, but no one wants to give up the convenience. So what you do is you have like reusable on-demand water bottles that are then it's basically like um, the same thing you're doing with city bike or like bird scooters or anything like that, where it's like no one owns a bird scooter, mm -hmm. but you can kind of like pick one up and drop one off easily. Right. right. So it's the same thing that so you, you do with water still, bottles. And, and also it's the, the bottles are being filled. In a cleanse, that, yeah, in they, a clean, in exactly. So they still have the trust. That's right. Because like, one of the things and they're sealed about, somehow. They're, 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 it's potable, meaning it's drinkable, and it's portable. Wait, what does it mean? People aren't buying the plastic; they're buying the water. But the, yes. the, the plastic it is necessary to is deliver necessary water because of the trust and because of the uh, convenience. And the, yes. So if you can just replace that with another solution, uh, right? Then people would be very happy. So then, so then, what you have is the carbon footprint of shipping water from Fiji, but. I, I would say that's more of a macro problem of like the carbon footprint of our shipping industry. Yeah. And so eventually the way you solve that problem is you change those to... Well, then you know, people also have concerns about like, are we taking too much water from Fiji? Uh, what? Not Fair enough, enough. Water from Fuji. Um, but the, the, the one thing Kodak. I would say about the Fiji uh, bottles uh, that I am a big fan of, mm -hmm. the, the, like, the plastic label on it that has like the, on one side it's like the Fiji mm -hmm. logo, mm -hmm. and on the back side yeah. it's like showing a, through the water. Showing through the water it is like a beautiful like tropical, tropical scene. scene. Jinx. Jinx. Fiji. So what's the next topic? Mistletoe. I do love the holidays. Okay. Um, and I um, have thrown holiday parties where I would hang up mistletoe really? somewhere in the apartment. I did it once or twice. And it's always like a like just for fun and I remember it was really hard to source. <laughs> is it an endangered species? Well no, I'm not, it's like I'm not did, really did sure we what it is. Over farm mistletoe? No, not not like that. Just like hard to source in the sense of it, like when I was living in the East Village, uh, I didn't know which store to buy it in. Right. And you couldn't just get it. You couldn't just order at the it. Bodega. Amazon doesn't have any. Well I think this is like what the guy maybe, selling Christmas trees doesn't also have mistletoe? Yeah, I don't think so. I okay. don't. I don't think it's like. I, I think it has more mind, like uh, cultural mind share, than it has than it has actual like usage. Right, but I I also don't think I could, uh, I mean, could describe what mistletoe actually looks like to you right now. I agree. I, I don't. I couldn't either. Like I to me, I think of it as just like a little when you cut off a little bit of a branch of a Christmas tree. Right. A sprig. A, a sprig, and and then maybe it has a few like berries involved yeah. with it. Maybe that's that's what I kind so of. So it's think some, okay. So we agree it's some kind of plant. Yeah, it's green. It's green, and maybe there are some berries with it. Uh, sure, could but, be. We don't know. So I think I've only done it. That's why, like, I, I think, I, or maybe I did fake mistletoe in the uh -huh. sense of like mistletoe. I, I remember as a kid being mildly scandalized by uh, the idea of mistletoe, the concept of like you're going to be kissing in public. Like, oh. it was one of the, it was like, simul like you know what I mean? It was like, yeah, uh, I was scandalized by the, the notion of, uh, in, in our Me Too era, mm -hmm. you know, like that, like, I think that, that it, it kind of is, has an element of, uh, coercion, it, coercion. Um, it's, it's not date rapey, but it's like holiday party rapey <laughs> kind of connotations. Yeah. Of like, let's explore this. Right. Um, well, no, I mean, it doesn't have consent, perhaps. So, yeah, I think perhaps. There's this okay, right. So it creates a structure where, um, at which, which is, what's interesting is you see this pattern a lot in things of the previous, you know, like, uh, you know, like mid-century conventions. And, and what it comes from is... Which century? The 20th. Okay. Where, um, like the song Baby It's Cold Outside. Oh, yeah. It's a very similar thing, where superficially it, it is... It is... About uh, hate rape. About, right. But... A lot of that was hey, a reaction to drink? a reaction to um, women's lack of agency, where even if they, when it comes to uh, sexual desire, so even if they wanted something, they had to play into this like system of like, oh, he made me, because it's not they're not allowed to to have sexual desires, right? So, same same thing with mistletoe. It's it's a um, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? It's a construct mm. where, you know, somebody who does want to kiss the guy or whatever can put herself into a position where it's like, oh, he kissed me unconsensually, but it's the 50s, so we don't really care about consent. Mm. So both sides get what they want, right? Yeah. It's a fig leaf, so to speak. No, it's not a fig leaf. It's a wait, mistletoe. Got it. Yeah. Um, which obviously that's a much worse uh, convention than like, um, you know, actual consent. But I think that's a structure that you see a lot of. Yeah. But it, it, I'm also trying to like his mistletoe does show up in certain holiday songs. Yes. Um, and but I'm that's what I mean. Like we've all heard of it. We've heard of it, but yeah. like, and I feel like it's in, and I can't think of any specific movies or TV shows or holiday themed programming okay. where mistletoe is actually a thing. I, but I I feel like it must be like, right. Um, and I'm also trying to think like when, um, like where did it come from and when did it become, like what. What uh, what phase of life is it relevant for, right? Because like as a kid, mistletoe is not relevant, right? And then as although like, I desperately wanted it to be, right? Yeah. Uh, but then as, as an adult, like as, and once you, right once you're in a relationship, it's like mm, whatever, whatever, whatever. So is it just for like the the courting age? The courting age, right? right. The courting it's like, age aren't really going to holiday parties as a singles mixer, right? You know, maybe you not, are, maybe, but it doesn't. Although, actually, uh, you know, two of my friends, uh, who you know, um, met at my holiday party in and the East Village. Really? Yeah. And they're still together. Yeah, they have three kids. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, and you, you blame the mistletoe. Well, I don't, actually, I don't think there was mistletoe that night. And they didn't, they, 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 they met and they chatted that night, and then I gave the number, his number, or her number to him, or whatever. Uh, exchange it a couple days later. Um, yeah, but uh, uh, and now they have three children. Now they have three children. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but what I want to know about mistletoe is why didn't rocket fingers take off? <laughs> well, you, well, because you kiss under the mistletoe, and the thing you that do you do under rocket finger, we can't talk about. <laughs> okay, what's the next topic? Airplane seats. Airplane seats? Seats on an airplane. Uh, Have you ever sat in an airplane seat? Um, do you remember the first time you flew business class? Uh, I do. It's an... It's an <laughs> there's such a huge difference between coach and business class. Yeah. It's a way bigger gulf than I thought it would be the yeah. first time I ever... I was like, I, like, I had no idea how much better it was. And I think part of the reason is because my experience with the first or business class had been, um, had mostly been walking past it in small commuter planes mm. where it's like you see them and it's like, yeah, they're just lazy boys versus the small chairs. Whereas on a, like, let's say, you know, transatlantic flight, you don't see that section because you, you enter in the middle and, you know, coach turns right and everyone, and the business class turns left, right? Yeah. So... You don't walk past the lay flat beds or whatever it was. And so I think my first flight was just a, it was a flight to San Francisco. And I don't think it was like one of the, you know, beds. I think it was just a, a recliner where you had plenty of leg room. Mm -hmm. And still it was just like, oh, this is just way better. Just, just a, a room to be a human. And I guess I'm a little surprised at how big that gap is. Yeah. I've actually only flown business class uh, a, a very few number of times. I would assume it's more than I have. I, I, I don't I don't know your life. Uh, <laughs> you, okay. Uh, but um, because I I don't want to get into the particulars of my my, my work so much. But um, the the I the first couple times I flew business class for work, um, it was international, mm -hmm. and uh, somebody else booked my travel, and I was just a cog in a machine. Right. So to speak. You just went how they sent you. And then and then it uh, then I discovered that. Um, I could actually book my own travel, and mm -hmm. that this budget, where uh, and the way my uh, department is set up, uh, I have a kind of a, a, a overall budget, and it's not like a separate travel budget. Okay, so whatever you spend on a, a business class ticket is coming out of a budget that you could all spend for other things as well. Yes, and it just so happened it was a charitable budget. Oh, uh, so so you feel a little bit weird. Yeah, so it's it's literally uh, the for every dollar I spend on travel. That's a dollar that we're not doing 
uh, giving to charity. Okay. It's a very, you know, for some people it's a little bit more abstract, this notion right. of, Here well, like, I could donate that money. Or, yeah. And mine is, no, you have, a, you have an absolute dollar mm-hmm. budget. And right, you're going to spend an extra thousand dollars on a ticket that could have gone to somebody no, in it's, need. No, well, it's like these international trips. Like maybe it's fifteen hundred dollars uh, for premium economy uh-huh. or, or or coach, um, and but business class would be six thousand, eight thousand, right. ten thousand. That's a lot of thousands of dollars. Yeah, you, especially yeah. in the context of a charitable uh, situation. Right, and if it's going to be a twenty, and when I what I've come to learn is twenty hours of travel is twenty hours of travel. Um, and it's a little bit rough, uh, even if you're in business class or or not. Sure. Not to say that business class is quite nice. Let me, <laughs> sure. Let me make, make that very clear. But to me, I it it's not that nice now, especially since um, I I rarely have to get off the plane and go into uh, an important sales meeting, right? Or go into the office. You're so not to speak. rolling off the plane into a into a professional setting. Uh, the way some people are. Right. And then the the other times then when I've uh, traveled. Um, either done doing red eyes, uh, you know, from back from the West Coast to the East Coast, or uh, from the East Coast of the U.S. to Europe. Um, I'm doing overnight flights, but I'm not. I'm going to a conference that starts later that day, mm-hmm. or you got a you buffer. Know, I have a buffer, so I'm not a, a, doing a red eye and then going into a meeting, right? Where uh, you definitely need and you can justify the need to be well rested. Yeah, and, you need and, polished. Uh, yeah. Um, so, so that's it. So I just personally, I, I, um, since the first couple flights I took, uh, and when I kind of realized that I could take control of my budget in this way, uh, I've just made it the policy to, to do, uh, to do coach. And I always do coach, even though with our our company policies are that on many of the flights I take over a certain number, I'm well within my rights to, to fly business. And, uh, I just don't, um, and, and, but I, and I do the airplane loyalty right. game, um, so that I, you know, buy because of my status, I buy coach priced tickets, but I get automatically upgraded to premium economy. Uh, so you get the good, you get the best available version of the economy. Yeah, of the economy, economy plus tier. or the what, whatever you call it. Uh-huh. And I would say that that is the best value in the sky. Um, even on okay. your personal flights or anything you're doing, um, I would say that if, if if you have a choice between economy and premium economy, always take premium. economy. Premium economy, if you can, it's if it's even if if it's hundred dollars, two hundred, whatever the price difference is, well worth it. It's really. Like but I, my, I personally don't think the difference between premium economy and business or first is worth it. Okay. Um, you're saying be, because you know you're still on an airplane. You're still on an airplane. Right. It's still annoying and. Um, and you're still, especially if you're doing, you know, time zone changes and all this, it's, it's still a whole, it's, it's a, it's an annoying, um, yeah, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And, and, and yet lying flat, uh, and, or having a better recliner is certainly great. Um, but all like, and maybe the food and the booze is better, but first of all, who cares? It's, it's just a couple meals and, you know, pack some snacks and some uh, protein uh, yeah, and bars. I've done it so infrequently that, that my experience with it is, is almost pure entertainment. It's almost like, ooh, look how, look how fancy the china is. Ooh, look how nice the beds are. I can imagine eventually you do it so frequently. It, by the time it's lost its novelty value, I think you're right. It's, yeah, I don't need a little uh, cloth, tablecloth it, right. uh, to, to eat. You know, an in in pl- in flight meal, right? right. I, I, that, and I don't need warm nuts upon our, you know uh, when I when I uh, and and the champagne glass of champagne as right. I board, right? You know, it's um, like yeah, the, the, the wow, this, this hot towel is is nice. Oh no, they do hot towels and and coach and premium economy and all that too. In, only in premium economy? No, in coach, I think they do too. Yeah, they'll they'll do the hot really? towel. Yeah, but it's like a, it's it's. It's not a, on the not on the on the low rent American uh, uh, flights that I've taken. Well, I'm I'm on certain. You're imagining like flights. a longer, a longer haul international, and they don't. It's not like cloth napkins. It's like they, you know, it, <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's disposable paper napkins. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not. You know, I, okay. So I will point out. You, I think you've identified a difference between, uh, you know, regardless of the tier. Flights of a certain length are going to have a different character. So yeah. almost any flight, any domestic flight is going to be less than six hours or so, is going to have a much more of a, a short-term quality to it. Yeah, and, and, and any, yeah, so that, that's actually a great distinction. So the domestic flight that is, let's say, a daytime flight, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any need for, for business 
uh, class, right? Like personally, I, I I would not unless someone is giving it to me, unless I'm right. upgraded for free. You're just getting it for free. Um, unless it is know. nicer, it's just not enough. It's nicer. nicer. It's not for to me. It what it costs for what it costs. It does it does not justify it. Um, uh, because I have all the entertainment. First of all, the entertainment has been democratized. Like you, that they is give kind you a of bigger amazing. screen. Sure. Um, uh, but this is this is actually related to uh, something we talked about a while ago. Uh, in and it's something I think about from time to time uh, uh, about the Downton Abbey world and yeah. our world. And okay. I'd rather be me, uh, a commoner, and in in in, 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 the, in, in this contemporary year, in, in the contemporary era, uh, era uh, than uh, a member of the upstairs of Downton Abbey, right? Yeah. Because the the um, I have access at a push of a button to any kind of food I want delivered to me, right? Um, High the quality of the food or entertainment or services or you know um, even things like healthcare that you have is better than what they had have a hundred years ago, right? And so I also the quality of the in-flight product in premium economy today I would rather have than the business class or first class of even like 10, 15 years ago right. with like really, because mostly because they have really a cruddy screen technology right. and all those kind of things. Well, I, and, you know, it would be before the uh, screen in the back of the seat, it would be a the, shared screen. A, scr- a shared screen where they're either playing whatever movie in the, you know, that you can... Yeah, they're playing one movie. Playing one movie. You, you take have no control it, over whether it's... Or they're or showing the altitude and uh, sure, they and might the just temperature outside thing, and things like that, right? Yeah. That said, <laughs> I did have the experience of flying on a budget airline internationally okay. a couple months ago. For how long was the flight? It was, it was a six or seven hour flight to, okay. to Paris. On a budget on airline a, uh, that we didn't realize uh, th- we were using points. Okay, and so I didn't use the airline that I usually use, um, that I have great status with, because we were using up a different like credit card points. Sure, and but this, you didn't you booked it not knowing it was a budget. Well, I think I knew it was a budget, but I don't think I knew it was a budget. So <laughs> like, I, I how think, budget was it? Well, so I think I thought it was going to be JetBlue, mm-hmm. a, little, a little bit like quirky, but. You know, affordable. What you found out is they didn't have seatbelts. <laughs> you know, but it, it was uh, it was it was worse than Spirit, I would say. And Spirit is really bad. And the only other time I have to fly Spirit uh, is uh, when we fly to uh, we have relatives in Myrtle Beach, and the only direct flight from New York to Myrtle Beach Spirit. is Spirit. Um, and I'd prefer direct over uh, for other other things. And, and just Spirit is just oh my god. It's so the, what makes it bad? It, How do you know it's bad? Um, uh, well, let's just say that, that, that back to the original premise of this of the segment of the seats, the airplane seats. Um, so let's just start there. The seats are god awful, like In, ha- okay. like really crowded, really they're cl- like literally in. the dimensions are smaller. Yes. So okay. on the on the airline we took and on Spirit, but I'm going to talk about the airline to France, which I think I learned just recently went bankrupt. Um, <laughs> Yours was the last flight. Well, I don't think ours was the last flight, but it was, it was pretty bad. But it, on a, and I, f- I forget the, I forget which airline or what air, um, what type of plane it was, but it was on the normal configuration on a, like a, a, a flight that I'm used to, it'd be two seats, okay. an aisle, four seats, okay. an aisle, and then two seats. Right, two, four, two. Two, four, two. This was, so 242 equals? Eight. Yeah. I just did the math for you. Don't worry. Uh, this was calculator? three, mm-hmm. three, mm-hmm. three. I'm doing the math, Brian. Yeah. I found an extra seat. Yeah. In, uh, in the exact same size plane. Same width, right. And, Which and, tells you we are removing a seat from the combined width of, of seats and aisles that you yeah, would have Yeah, but the aisles had. have to... Oh, they have to accommodate the cart. So they're they, already at the minimum the size. Aisles, the aisles okay. are what they so are. What they, so what that tells us is each seat... Is, is one eighth is, is one yeah you, you one gotta, eighth you gotta, smaller you got to chop off an and eighth. these were already the, uh, the small seats right yeah. and then they I think they so they they added a column and then they added rows I think too because oh sure because those you can slide up and down yeah and, and the seats so I've never been closer to the seat in front of me before and I was in the middle and Tim was in the aisle and the stranger was at the window Jesus and I could not I, I, I and I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not a small man, but I'm not a big man, and I could. I, I think of you as a, a, an average size uh, person who could represent a typical experience in something like this. And I could not put my shoulders in the back of my seat. What do you mean? I could not put my shoulders in the back of my seat because my seat did not, did not, would not allow that. My seat. That's now my two neighbors' seats. Wait. You're talking about the width of your shoulders. The width of the my shoulders. The of skeletal your, width of your shoulders. The skeletal width of your shoulders. Of your typical, 
typical. You know, show. like you said, you're not narrowly framed. You're not broadly framed. You're a, a, a what I would think of as a a, a very um, average width. Yeah. Again, we're not talking about yeah. like I, how how you're saying average. I would say I'm deeply mediocre. Oh my god, this is this He's, is funny. I'm actually there is a ruler here for, yeah. for whatever reason, and I'm gonna. So I don't okay. know where you might. Okay. All right. Here. So, I'll, so that's that's people twelve. Okay. And then that's another uh, four, uh, four and a little bit. So call it five. So it's seventeen ish so inches of my, from my shoulder from to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder. shoulder. And I don't know if we just measured sure. that right, but whatever. And and, and that that was uh, I could not sit back, so I had to for this. Well, I mean, and we also and waited. Tim, Tim must be in exactly the same situation. Tim's an even broader shoot, but he at least has the aisle, right? No, he's right. into uh, uh, extended into a little bit, but um, and it, we sat on the runway uh, for over an hour or two, so this became like an eight-hour experience. And I had to over and this was, and the flight was due to take off at midnight. Uh, <laughs> keeps getting East better. Coast time. And so I had to put my shoulders. Side like, canted at an angle. Yes, into the seat, like an alternating between sides. So right, because and you know, crazy. I did not. I mean, I did not sleep. I, it was right, impossible to. And, and there was no inter, there was no entertainment on it or anything like that. Uh, right, there's no seat back. There's no seat back. Was well, it there's like a, a was it cloth? Was it like a absorbent porous no, material? No, actually, if, to, to its credit, if I recall correctly, it, it was all brand new too, or newish. Oh, wow. like yeah, yeah. Okay, and like you chose these things. Yeah, and uh, it I, the material wasn't cleth and it wasn't leather but it was like a like pleth- a vinyl or something a vinyl ish uh-huh. or pleather like contemporary yeah um and it, it, that that i don't think was comfortable or uncomfortable it was just fine but also the seats themselves are so thin too oh jesus uh and then and then also they had these advertisements all over the place too it was oh inside the plane on the back of back seats it's like and, you're on a subway yeah this was, really is just optimized and then for the, and the, the cheapest possible. And everybody, you know, but pe- you know, people, it's like, look, it's getting us from point A to point B mm-hmm. cost effectively. If, mm-hmm. if you wanted to fly with look, a brand you're, you're name. min-maxing for the cost. That's, yeah. what, that's what you get. Although, but it was, it was still expensive, even though it was points. It was still more points uh, than you would think. And, and it was just, it, everything about the experience was horrible. And I, I turned, as we were taxiing as, after we landed, I said, this right here, right now, is the single worst travel experience I've ever had. You just you were able to to uh, notice that in the yes. moment. And I've I've flown hundreds of thousands of miles around the not world. To brag. Not to brag. That was a that was a weird flex. <laughs> um, but and it was just I was like, oh, this this is the worst as it, as it gets. This is it. it this, this you, is, you've reached the. Yeah. It's not exactly the peak, the the, the nadir the, yeah. of the of the travel experience for you. Yeah, and I'm flying. Uh, um, but I get to fly Spirit uh, next week though. Oh, so I got that to look you looking forward, forward to that? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, what's the next topic? Steampunk. Steampunk. For Pride this year, uh, which happens in June, mm-hmm. and th- this year uh, was the f- 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. Right. And uh, Pride is the kind of annual commemoration of that of that event. So this year, uh, Tim and I decided to do costumes, which we don't really do. Oh, I thought I was going to say, don't you normally do something? No, not really, actually. I'm, I must be confusing this with P-Town. Yeah, that's when you when you've done. Well, yeah, that's for uh, carnival, and we'll do costumes for that. But. No, okay, but normally for pride, you you haven't done. No, just like uh, usually, your friends have a, a party, and we go to that party. Okay, uh, but we don't make a big deal of it. You know, it's it's right. just. Uh, I mean, we're proud and all that kind of good stuff, but I don't but, think anyone's questioning your pride. Uh, sure, sure, uh, but we don't get we we usually don't get too carried away. Okay. Um, but for this year, uh, Tim's like, well, let's 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 go all out, okay. and so he kind of started curating this costume, and um, I'm not really sure what his inspiration was, but it ended up what we assembled um, got described to us as steampunk by many people. But the way you're phrasing that tells me that you didn't start. I don't think trying to create steampunk. I don't think we. I had known the term steampunk. I think Tim might have, but that wasn't necessarily... Regardless of whether you know the term, I feel like we have all sort of absorbed to the, varying degrees this this this, 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 this Yeah, this aesthetic, this idea. Yeah. This sort of like Victorian meets um, weird... Mechanical. Mechanical, like quasi-futuristic. Wild Wild West, Will Smith. I, okay, so as an example, Wild Mad Wild Max West-ish. Will Smith is, I would argue, is much closer than, than Mad Max. Yeah. But is, is it straight 
to the wild, wild west. See, now, remember, do we have to pay royalties uh, nor, on that? Are people not on conf- that rendition. Are people going to re- confuse that with the original Will Smith uh, song? Uh, Listeners, I just want you to know that wasn't that wasn't Will Smith. I know it sounds exactly like it was Will Smith visiting our studio. <laughs> don't don't get too excited. I actually think that song is peak Will Smith. Like some people that was say, it. Like uh, Welcome to Miami or whatever. I think Wild Wild West. That was peak Will Smith. That was peak Will Smith. Peak yeah. in the sense of the highest thing one can fall off of. Yeah, I mean it's just like the the absurdity that is Will Smith. I think is encapsulated in that song, especially that music video. So that concept uh or or that combination is i would say steampunk adjacent um but i feel like you didn't finish your uh well so we had you know we had bowler hats and we had these goggles that were had uh kind of mechanical accoutrement on them and we had these uh kind of victorian uh style if you will vests that Mm -hmm. were um I mean, like it or not, you are right down the barrel of, of steampunk here. Yeah, yeah, and then and then of course we had big flowing rainbow tulle dresses. So that's how you know it's pride. So that's how you know it's pride. So it was very uh, pride meets steampunk, okay. uh, and people were living for it. it like, oh, it seems we, great. It and seems, we yeah. and they, they estimated a million people in the uh, came out for the parade. Um, and it says World Pride, and this is fiftieth yeah. anniversary. Yeah, and we didn't really want to do the whole parade thing. It turns out, actually, by the way, people waited. Um, like 10 hours just to march in the parade, just to start the wow. parade. It was such a huge thing. I mean, that makes sense, but yeah. wow. Um, it, it like went on way too long. And we um, didn't have anything to do with that. So we started <laughs> early in the morning. But you guys weren't going to wait around for 10 hours. No. And so we decided that we, we started early. Um, we, had br- we put on our outfits. We had brunch. And then we we're like, just going to walk around. You went out for brunch? You went we went to out, brunch Yeah, we, we went to... We in, went to in costume. It, uh, in costume, we went to brunch um, and at this uh, restaurant that's along the parade route. And it was fun. It wasn't that crowded. It was our... Uh, one of you our, were there as a parade spectator? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But that yeah. seems like the more fun thing to do anyway. Oh, absolutely. Like, as much as walking a parade is fun, it like, it's not enough more fun to be worth the hassle of waiting for hours and hours i don't know have you walked a parade we i've walked the parade w- one time in recent memory uh my our neighbor former neighbor now in brooklyn uh this is a year and a half ago said hey i have this idea we should build a cart uh for the seventh avenue park slope halloween parade which starts in kind of South Park Slope, where we oh, are. I think I've seen pictures of this. And I was like, okay, what are you talking about? He said, oh, we're just going to create a, a, we're just going to get a cart, and then we're just going to sort of like crash the parade, because it's not a particularly organized thing. It's just people who want to um, join it, join it, or leave it, or, you know, it's not like a, it's not like one of these parades with the police barriers all along it, where they, right. where they um, you know, heavily control who comes in and out. Yeah. So we, you know, we created this kind of like makeshift um cart one afternoon that's just large enough to hold four children and after trick-or-treating uh not this year but last year we got all the kids into the into the uh cart and we pushed it from where we are over to 7th avenue which ended up being it's about a mile in each direction and then it was about a mile like not quite a like maybe half a mile we push ourselves into the um into the parade itself we go along it's super fun to be in this you know this float basically it doesn't it doesn't steer very well because mm. it's you know it's got these four wheels we mostly have to steer it by like kind of kind of picking it up and <laughs> steering it uh, as if as if the wheels don't turn because they don't um and then we pushed it all the way home and it was it was one of the things that like at the time was kind of exhausting and annoying but in retrospect you're you're glad you did it because it was like an experience but other than that i don't know that i've ever been in a parade i can remember what the only other other parade memory i have well, is you weren't you were more crew for a parade that's right yeah i was i don't i, don't, I, I was one of the people carrying i was i was carrying the woody woodpecker balloon i wasn't the woody woodpecker balloon yeah um and then growing up we had uh the home the oklahoma state homecoming weekend would have the homecoming parade which was a classic um you know like small town parade with the local you know uh, whatever the Local politicians in convertibles being driven, you know, yep, waving yep, to people yep. and the floats that were created by the different fraternities and sororities and uh, the, you know, uh, 
lawnmower, uh, the guys pushing lawnmowers in formation, like the you know the the Elks Club, right. um, you know, or the the Rotary had, Club. Had, that kind I of think thing. they were called the Shriners. We it, had the Shriners, it, yeah, and with their little, with little mini fez cars, hats, with the little fez hats, little mini. Ca- yeah, we had those. That was amazing. Is that, that was like, amazing? Is that their whole thing? I don't know. How do you like? Because as a it's kid, a great question. The Vienna, Virginia parade that we would go to. That was the closest town that we go to for certain parades, and those Shriners were always the hit. And I'm like. I want to be a Shriner when I grow up, but then I've never really right. heard about them since. Yeah, right, right. And and so, so you have these kind of parade tropes. Right. Um, so I was actually, uh, as a freshman in high school, um, uh, helped, I was part of the homecoming committee, and uh, there is a homecoming parade, so to speak, at the homecoming football game. It feels like a parade is in quotes. Well, I think parade is, I think you're right to put that in quotes. Um, but where they had each class would have their own float and you decorate their float based on a theme maybe Hmm. and you'd also decorate a hallway each class would have a a hallway that they could decorate and as the freshman class we did not have much money Uh, the other classes think fundraised more or somehow they had some something more to uh, more more funds available so we were a poor class and this is homecoming freshman year so it's like you know you're there for a week and then all of a sudden it's homecoming right and the other the other thing we were lacking was uh, driver's license um, <laughs> uh-huh. or access to vehicles. Right. So, uh, and I think we might have created the float at my parents' house. I actually, my, my memory, some of the details of this are, are ha- uh, hazy. It has never stopped you before. <laughs> um, but uh, all the other classes had like pickup trucks with... Uh, the floats in the back of the pickup truck or uh, c- carrying a trailer with uh-huh. a float on it, right? Right. And this would go along the athletic field, right? Okay. And, and they drive along and at halftime and it'd be great, right? Um, we built a little structure and I was one of the two people inside of it. We just had to carry it. Oh, that's great. It just, it's a human carried... It's a human carried float that thank God nobody could see us. Uh-huh. And like we had to go like at the end of it, we went like around behind the snack bar i think to get out of it so no one could yeah. see who was actually in it yeah um but it was i remember the <sighs> how seniors, did, what was the structure made of it was like not car, it was foam board i want to say and it was like a house okay i think i think our theme might have been the wizard of oz so you built this big like foam core house and then somebody got in like two we, of you got inside and just picked it up and carried it so it's just a floating house it's just like a floating house and that was <laughs> i it. mean that's kind of cool and it's just not it's yeah. just not a float but just i mean imagine, i guess i guess it's but as imagine, much a float as anything else imagine that size like little thing <laughs> right and then three pickup trucks with trailers oh, behind it. No, I'm picturing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's and really good. And I remember good. the seniors joked about uh, as that they would just run over our right. float as, as, as like they're yeah. like no, we're people are in there. No, yeah. It's like it's, and, it. It sounds like you did the 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 physical embodiment of wah wah. Yeah. No, it was, and I just. I could hear everybody's comments <laughs> as we were walking along. I mean, you could just... It was sort of a, a it, we trail were, of embarrassment. It was literally, we were just like the laughing stock of the entire school and <laughs> alumni. Um, but like, we're freshmen. Even, it, even, the, even the adults joined even in. the adults were like, what the hell? <laughs> God, who, who drew the short straw on that one? Uh, That's I fantastic. Did, I actually do, I, I, I do miss that, uh, that part of high school. Just for a moment, I did love Spirit Week, which okay. was the week leading up, which is when people would decorate the halls because yeah. people got really into it, and it was always like a special time of year. And and it, you'd have the 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 normal fluorescent lights in the hallways, but people would put cell uh, cell what do you call it cellophane yeah and other colors. So different halls would be different colors that uh. week, and there'd be different streamers, and so it, sometimes it'd go really over and above. And I just love that notion. Now I'm I'm not about a, you know stupid school spirit or you know unnecessary school spirit um but to me it wasn't this was less about school spirit or class spirit and more about just uh the whimsy of it all Mm. and there's something about that that i i really like and i miss and i almost wish we had like spirit weeks now as adults or just you know like those times where let's just you know decorate this workplace uh you i mean temporarily you and i both know how that would go we've had things like that we've had we we had pumpkin carving contest two years ago we i mean and that was kind of nice we, and that we, uh, sure uh, my point is those still exist i think you find adults as a population have have a different kind of reaction than 
uh, kids do. Well, I guess, and also you're doing it now with your kid's school. For sure. And like, you know, you're, you do your... Well, and a group of adults is going to have a much wider spread in terms of ages and backgrounds and experience and preferences than a group of um, teenagers that are all within a four-year band and all of which, you know, most likely grew up in, in the nearby area. Yeah. Okay, boomer. <laughs> so 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 you and tim dressed up as steampunk um yes. uh, uh oh yeah and we fellows had, uh and we had we we were a little gender bending with the dress and then right. the, the the vest was very i mean masculine I, have to, and, I think you got you you like checked a 10 out of 10 on what a good pride costume is yeah you, you've so, got you got rainbow you've got something a little bit weird you've got gender bending you've got so if i remember if, if i remember right it's it's vests with no shirts so you're showing off the guns yeah we were showing off the guns yeah, i mean it's 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 uh something for everyone it, there's something for everyone exactly uh except perhaps not not straight men but uh, and but but everybody else uh, <laughs> everybody sure but but it was actually so the, the exciting thing though was we left the the restaurant and we were on the parade route but it was hours before the parade was going to get there okay um, but there were already people lining up and already right. coming out and we just walked down the sidewalk and we got stopped every five feet and you were like the pre-parade we were the pre-parade and you were the we, you were the the opening act and yeah and we got stopped so often and people would take our photo and then when one person stopped us to take our photo take their take our photo just of us or with them or um then others would join in and we we I, you're like mini celebrities I, if we were mini celebrities and also it was, it was it was the way the reason why i was comfortable doing it is because we had the goggles on right so you had a little anonymity. anonymity and so it didn't feel like i was myself right it, it was it was you're safe playing character it was playing character yeah. it, was a, it was a disney princess for a day well and um, and if you, you can imagine people lining up early because they know they have to get there early because it's the 50th anniversary it's going to be a huge deal and but there's nothing going on and then you guys come along and you're like this is this is it it's it's like the real thing yeah. it's like it's like a, it's like you know yeah uh and but people were really they were they were as tim would say they were living for it yeah um and it was really fun and the, the most um uh the most heartwarming moment came it was really touching. It was this straight couple, man and woman, with two young kids, two young boys, I feel like. And um, they uh, came up to us, and they're like, oh, we want a photo. And also, the, one of the boys was giving out candy. Mm. And said, and said, oh, actually, don't take candy from strangers. <laughs> and I thought it was, they, <laughs> That's they, really the parents thought it was funny. And then their parents asked if we could take a photo with them, and then asked uh, the the one of the boys had like a little Polaroid camera. Okay. I want to take our picture too and give us the Polaroid. Oh, so, and they that's did. Really nice. And we, we got the Polaroid of it. It was really sweet. But it was this sense of, uh, it was one of those like emotional touching moments of these like straight allies who had their kids out uh -huh. and were like trying to teach their children like good manners. <laughs> yeah. And life lesson about, uh, you know, seeing the humanity in other people and taking people as who are. Even though we were these steampunk guys. Steam steampunk, uh, rainbow uh, skirted um, characters right but where so where is steampunk today though <laughs> in, the, in the imagination of nerds everywhere what do you mean like like is it a does it have are there waves of steve steampunk like is, is it was steampunk an actual era or is it always just a fictitious era it's is only it, ever been fictitious okay so it it is a combination like this is this is the blind leading this is the the nearsighted leading the blind so okay. <clears throat> it is uh i'm sure the wikipedia page on this would be fascinating if only we had access if only we had access to that um so i don't i can't explain to you the uh the sort of history of this genre i can only tell you what my my perception of it is but it's a combination of um sort of victorian fashion tropes with an idea of steam-powered futurism mm. so imagine future sci-fi type stuff yeah powered by archaic technology yeah as, as as exemplified by steam power so steam power was this era that really did exist as an era in in the industrial revolution before we got to things like the internal combustion engine right so you had this period where it was like oh we can have you know, we have the engineering skill to create these pressure vessels that can hold steam, and then we can use that steam to do work, and that's that's interesting. And it turns out that that's that that is interesting, but it's got kind of a limited um, applicability. And things like the internal combustion engine are much more applicable and and interesting and, and enable more things. But um, 
the the sort of sci-fi nature of steampunk is hey what if that what if that never stopped what if we what if it only got more and more sophisticated and so there's both a but I, I see it so as it's much like, as it's like a futurism, but an imagined futurism it's an imagined, from a outdated, from a past that never arrived. That's right. It's like a it's like a, um, a speculative past, mm. uh, speculative history, where it's like, what if? Uh, and I, but I read it as much of as an aesthetic as anything else. Sure. Right. It's it's as much about the fashion. Well, that's what I mean. Is it like that's why I think it comes in waves, or like there's a re, yes. re, re kind of a. Every ten or twenty or whatever time you know time period. You're saying in the modern age, how 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 much are people interested in steampunk? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like if we looked at the Google search results for steampunk, right? It, it, right, it probably comes in fashion waves. You're yeah. right. I, I would assume, and so you can like oh steampunk, it's so hot right now. Right, and I'm sure it gets reinterpreted. I don't really know, but you know, within the within various communities, you'll see the steampunk version of something. So one thing is like at a at a comic con, you might see a steampunk. Um, Inter- interpretation of, of of a well-known character, right? You might see a mm. steampunk um, Mario and Luigi. Like it's not. Steam- no, no. It's, is it like Back to the Future Part Three? I wonder how that re- relates to the creation and the growth of steampunk as a genre. Because I don't know how vibrant steampunk was in 1989 or whenever it was that um, Back to the Future Part Three came out. But it is, it is, it does kind of have those elements, right? It has the Wild West. Um, it has futurism. Futurism, right? It's got like it's got this kind of futuristic technology and trains and and uh, you know gadgetry and things like that. Great Scott. Great Scott. But it doesn't really have robots. It doesn't have. Um, so it's kind of like again steampunk adjacent. Yeah. Um, but it seems like it's this interesting combination that keeps finding itself. It's like it's like the Western meets sci-fi or it's you know it's uh, victorian era you know britain meets sci-fi and it's that era that like kind of like um you know 1800s era um projected into the future and there are you know many versions of that i wonder if there's an opportunity for a re-examination of steampunk uh especially steampunk imagined futures and mechanical ideas um, and innovations uh, in a world where carbon is seen as such a villain, okay. and that the internal combustion engine has led to climate the right. climate crisis that we face right now, and that as we look to uh, regenerative, uh, renewable energy sources, uh, that there might be a, kind of a reexamination of steampunk technologies or imagined technologies. Are you suggesting that the, the sort of like sci-fi technologies would have some credibility? Well, just in a, in a, in a world, in moving towards a low carbon economy, right. in a low carbon world. You're like, hey, let's there, pull out some of these steampunk ideas and yeah. see if there's any, any kick the tires on these. Yeah, and it could, no, no way. No, no, no. <laughs> that is, that is a, <laughs> that is a impressive swing, but no, not even a little bit. Why? Here's why. St- steam is not a good store of energy, and it's not particularly useful uh, as a way of doing work. Yeah, but what about punk? What? What about punk? Maybe I hadn't been considering punk. You got me there. No, not all. I'm, I'm saying, saying is not, no, 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 not not the steam as the uh, reexamining uh, contemporary renewable power energy sources, but with the same steampunk uh uh devices or you know things that they're creating so i do think this idea of re-examining our our world with a new set of technologies is is a is a worthwhile pursuit and i think it's something that we're actually doing i just think steampunk this is why i call it an aesthetic as much as anything else it's a style right it's like people who sort of fetishize or or put up on a pedestal victorian era like the fussiness of Victorian era clothing mm. fashion, which, you know, that's, it's easy to romanticize when you don't live through it. Right. Uh, when it's just a costume you get to take off and put on your athleisure at the end of the day. But um, mixed with, with the sci-fi element of it, I think it sounds like you're zeroing in on the, on the techno- technological parts where you're like, hey, they're working from a mostly, although not necessarily entirely, uh, a sort of a pre-carbon uh, industrial age. What if we had something? Excuse me. What if we had something similar? And and yes, that I think that's a totally valid question. But obviously, the future is electricity, right? The future is 
electricity generated in carbon-free ways, stored in sci-fi ways, delivered to you know motors and other other things. Like that that is the answer. It's just a matter of how, not what. Yeah. Um, did you see the uh, Elon Musk uh, electric truck? Cyber truck. Cyber truck. Cyber truck. Um, that was 2019. Inspired, that was inspired by Blade Runner. The design so, so was they say. evidently. Um, it. I mean, we're it's the year 2019, and we are we are unveiling products called Cyber. Mm-hmm. Is it has it been long enough that that's a throwback yet? I don't think we're in throwback territory yet. I don't know. I. I let mean, me, let me e-verify whether that's yeah right exactly. It's. Uh, I mean, I am all for people rethinking work vehicles. I love the specs on this vehicle that was unveiled, but it looks bananas. There are actually a lot of, I mean, I do think we are currently, you know, living through a fascinating time as we watch uh, vehicles specifically transition. Every... Uh, every automaker has realized that the future is in electric vehicles, and we're seeing this imperfect, clumsy, at, at times clumsy transition from the status quo to to the new era. And some more aggressively than others, mostly reflecting kind of, you know, the, uh, the nature of the car companies or what kind of financial position they're in or the sort of strength of their leadership, all sorts of interesting things are coming out because it's a period of transition. Somebody, uh, I forget where I read this, but they said, you know, in in any transition from one era to the other, it's always going to be awkward because you're transitioning from the most refined version of the previous era to the newest, least refined version of the new era. So Hmm. it's, 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 it's very much like an adult versus baby um, comparison right? We currently have the best internal combustion engines we'll ever have because they're the last ones. You know, these things have been engineered to, to, you know, to death because for a variety of reasons, they're, they're, they're miracles. They've been fully optimized. They've been fully optimized. Exactly. Meanwhile, these electric cars are, are, are good in some ways, but you have things like this cyber truck where it's like, is that a good idea? I mean, uh, maybe, but who knows? It's super weird. You have things, you have stuff that's all over the place. Um, and so I think we are watching that transition and in the same way that like, in the same way that any other transitions happen in history, we're, we are now watching a transition where 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when the majority of vehicles are electric, you know, this will seem like the bad old days. Right. I mean, what's that Bill Gates quote, I'm going to paraphrase and butcher, which is, you know, the... Uh, we are always disappointed in the rate of change that happens in two years, right. but always we surprised. What happens in, yeah, we in, overestimate what's possible in two years, and we underestimate what what actually happens in ten years. Right, um, and so which, if, which I think, in my experience, is, is true. Yeah, there's if, if you were to look at like if we could somehow graph the curve of perceived change, I think you would see it's you know you've got underestimate within a year or two, you've got or sorry, overestimate within a year or two and underestimate within ten years, and then that means somewhere in the middle there you've got what. <laughs> you know, within uh, uh, four years, five years, is exactly the amount of what you expect. There's right. a crossover period. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's, 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 it's just interesting because it's, okay, what, what does that mean um, when it comes to things that, you know, people thought, I thought we'd be there by now based on all these estimations when it comes to uh, blockchain and uh, autonomous vehicles and things like that. It turns out that their ubiquity is, uh, takes a lot longer. Yeah, although I think one area that I think we will be surprised about the progress in 10 years, or maybe not, is you talked about the climate crisis. And it seems to me that there there is a change in perspective from let's fight to get people to realize that this is a thing to let's fight for solutions. In other words, let's look at this as a problem we have to solve, not let's... Um, let's stop at this is a terrible problem who knows whether we can solve it Mm. so in other words it's a it's a proactive versus reactive posture and it and and i'm seeing a lot more conversations around what could we do or what would it cost if we wanted to go down this route or you know it's like and then you and then you end up with these massive numbers measured in the billions or trillions of dollars 
but guess what? We already do things in, that are that cost in the billions and trillions. So you start to you start to compare these numbers to oh well, that's roughly the cost of you know compliance of a certain industry for a given uh, environmental regulation that exists already, or that's uh, already the cost of the U.S. military, or that's already the cost of you know something something big, but it's ne- nevertheless something we do. Right. And so you start to see th- like I was just reading an article today about uh, direct carbon capture, right? And they were saying okay. There are certain chemical processes where you can literally suck carbon out of the air. And there are small-scale tests, and the, the idea being, well, you could scale these up to, to recapture the billions of tons of CO2 per, per year, theoretically. Right now, it's not cost-effective, but what if it were, right? How, how much would it have to be so that uh, it costs, you know, it go, the costs go from being the hundreds of billions to the tens of billions? And then it's like, oh, well, maybe that's, that, and that's not the only option, but that's an option. So... I think we will start to see as, for example, the cost of solar electricity continues to go down, it'll become it'll be in the capitalist's interests to go with a solar plant rather than continue to run your your uh, fossil fuel plant. Yeah. Just because it, it, it the person who's in charge of the money will make that decision. What about your um, steampunk plant? Right. So what about your steampunk plant? One of my favorite ta- facts is that Con Edison still produces steam as a utility. Really? Yeah. Are you not aware of this? No. So in Manhattan. <laughs> oh, that's why you see the steam. Yes. Oh, steam is delivered this. from a central steam producer. I don't know where it is. I assume it's somewhere in Manhattan, but uh, it could be upstate for all I know. Well, in Manhattan, there's a lot of hot air. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, and what you, certain buildings get steam the way you get natural gas or electricity. And you have pipes insulated pipes yeah. and steam comes down the pipes and they go into your radiator and you know keep people warm and it's it's steam as a utility wow you can buy steam from con edison just just wait until like apple plus and and disney plus and hulu and all get in into the steaming wars what's the next topic <laughs>